I mean, why else would he warn us to stay away? Who cares? Aren't you curious? Nope. <laughs> well, I am. Besides, Davy may have a phone that works. Eileen, don't go out there. If I'm not back in ten minutes, form a posse. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Just want to thank all our fans and listeners. I really appreciate all support. You guys are awesome. Uh, before we get into tonight's legendary blood donor review, I just want to give a quick shout out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. Everything about our podcast is on there. All of our episodes, our interviews, our blog, our store, all of our social media links. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Go follow us, like us, subscribe us. You know, we love interacting with our fans. Uh, it's really special getting to interact with all these people we didn't know personally, and now we're getting to know you personally and becoming friends with you and engaging with you. So we really appreciate that. Go give us a, a follow and all that. And uh, since it tonight is a legendary blood donor view, I just want to shout out our blood donors. It's uh, our version of a Patreon. We have the traditional monthly kind, and we have a one-time donation. You want us to review one of your favorite movies, or you want to come on the show with us and review one of your favorite movies, we have those options available. Or if you just want to, you know, be a a, a donor once a, you know, monthly donor, we have that option available as well. It helps us pay for our site hosting, our website, our SoundCloud hosting, where we upload our our podcast. So it really takes a great burden off of, off of us, and we really appreciate it. And uh, one more quick announcement before we get into the review. We're super excited to announce that we have added big-time fan of the show, one of our biggest fans, our biggest supporters, Shan Petrasevich, to the team. She's going to be a co-producer. Uh, we're going to be adding her to our website and – Super excited to add Shan. Brian, do you want to touch on that? Any? I know uh, you two been in a lot of talks about that. Yeah, I mean, she's she's more than just a fan, you know. And we're we're just we're looking at expanding, you know. And as our podcast grows, and and thank you again. I know I know Nico says it every single show, and so does Mike. But thank you guys again so much for all the support you've given us. Like the last two years, I mean, we have grown just exponentially, and not just because we're getting on, you know. Robert England and you know and, and things like that it's because you guys are genuinely interested in the 90% of our show which is us you know shooting the shit and talking shit about movies so you know she's she's been a big fan yes big supporter but you know behind the scenes she's helped us out many times with the many different things and we we kind of we, we sat down we we talked about our future and uh you know we wanted we wanted somebody that we could trust to, and that we knew had the love and the passion for the show that we do. And, uh, you know, felt like Shan was a, was a good pick to come on. And, you know, she's going to co-produce right now. But, you know, as things grow and, uh, you know, our show grows and we've got some plans and some things in the, in the fire um, for the future. And, you know, she'll, she'll be a bigger part as well even then. Absolutely. It's good to add a female presence to the team as well. Absolutely. It was probably time. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. If, if, if you listen to our fans, it's way past you time listen, that we. Have yeah, some if, you listen to, if you read a few reviews, sorry, I'm talking too close to the mic again. If you read the reviews on iTunes, uh, we, we probably did it a voice or two, which we have one on tonight, so I don't want to hear it. Okay, uh, 
Uh, Brian, you talked about the growth of the show. I mean, this episode we're about to record just proves it uh, for two reasons. One, I would have never watched this movie had someone not paid us to review it. And I'm so thankful that she did because one, that's really cool and humbling to have someone want to do that. And it's really cool to have her on the show. So those two things kind of go hand in hand with the announcement of Shan and and doing this episode. I got to thinking earlier just how crazy the whole thing is, man. Right. This started as me and Nico talking shit on Twitter. Yep. <laughs> it really did. Yes, it did. <laughs> All right, let's jump into Missy's uh, film choice tonight. Missy, you want to go ahead and announce your pick and why you like the movie or if you have a special attachment to it? So I chose 1979's Tourist Trap. And the reason I did is it's probably the very first movie that I can remember being freaked out about. I can't imagine how I actually saw it uh, <laughs> back in the days before all of the, uh, you know, uh, ways you can see movies. There were probably had like 10 channels or something at that time. Uh, but it just kind of stuck with me. But honestly, I had not seen it in many, many years until I picked it and I thought, <laughs> You know, this is interesting. It's uh, it's a quirky little movie. <laughs> That's all I'll say. <laughs> I'll, I'll go next. I agree with you. It is a weird, quirky movie. Um, I think me and you have talked about this a little bit, Missy. I wasn't really a huge fan of the movie, but I am a big fan of Chuck Connors as yeah. in the movie. I think he did a great job. Oh, yeah. And I learned a lot about him watching Dead Meat's Kill Count. Like He had a pretty interesting life, honestly, if you dig deep into it. Uh, I've ob- I obviously like the wax museum kind of this kind of movie because i picked house of wax and i really i gave it a high rating and that almost made mike and dustin follow their chairs i love house of wax hey see we got that in common miss that's what's important but i feel like the remake or the original i like well i'm always an original gal but i did actually like the remake it's a nice guilty pleasure Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I feel like me, I know me and Mike talked about this as well. But I'm changing I my like rating right here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm changing my rating for Missy's movie right now. I actually liked it, but I'm not supporting Nico because he never supports me. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I feel like you, you could remake this movie maybe nowadays. Uh, me, you know, me and Mike talked about that a little bit. Maybe just shorten some scenes up. Maybe explain a little bit more about the powers. Uh, get rid of these super long scenes with this weird music. <laughs> but I don't know. It did have a nice, you know, like late seventies, early eighties cheese and feel to it. I did like that and appreciate it, but I can't say this is one of my favorite. It's not the worst movie we've ever done, but it's not, not one yeah. of my favorites. I, either. I, I can respect that. Brian, you want to go next? It, it, it's not thanks killing everyone. So. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Oh no. <laughs> uh, Missy has enough respect for us to not pick thanks killing again. Um, but yeah, I'd actually never seen this, obviously, or truthfully even heard of this movie until it was picked for this. Um, now, I will admit, whenever I saw the the whole PG-13 or PG rating, I was like, oh, God. But again, like this was 79, so there was no R rating at this point. We've discussed that many times with Jaws and, and other movies like that. So um, all in all, it wasn't totally for me. Um, you know, I came out in like, like I said, in 79, so between Halloween and Friday, and, uh, you know, you can definitely tell that director David uh, Schmoller, who did Pu- Puppet Master, by the way, um, and everyone else involved with this project said, OK, let's take Psycho, 53's House of Wax, Texas Chainsaw, Carrie, and let's just put them all together and see what it does. <laughs> and that does make for some crazy shit. Um, you know, and despite all those elements being taken from other things, 
I think this is very, very unique. Um, I'll definitely give it that. It's different types of kills um, for everybody. And, and look, it, it's like it's like clowns. You know, some people are genuinely freaked out about mannequins. Um, the word for that is actually called automatonopia, automatonopia. I don't fucking know how you say it. <laughs> But it's, but I mean, but that's not me. I mean, mannequins don't bother me, but I understand how they definitely do um, with some people. Um, and the last thing I want to touch on is, is Tanya Roberts, Tanya Roberts. I, I know her from that 70s show, the best, you know, I've never actually personally seen anything else that she's been in. Although, I mean, I know she was in Charlie's angels, but little peek behind the curtain. And I think about this sometimes just because it's like, wow. Um, but I was actually in contact with Mrs. Roberts agent about a year and a half ago so it would have been 2020 at this point and uh, about getting her on the show because of her horror background obviously and uh while i was waiting on him to get back to me they you know he said he actually responded we're waiting to kind of try to work out the schedule i saw on the news that she had passed away so i mean that was just over a year ago now at this point of us recording so rest in peace to her i just thought i'd share that anyway um she's a black girl you know you're right. Yep. <laughs> I'm no, I'm not a personally a fan of any of the Bond movies before Daniel Craig, but you know that'll that's just my personal opinion. Daniel Craig movies are the only ones that are mine. My he's my Bond. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, great runtime with this. Quick watch. Uh, I'm ready to get into it. Okay, Missy. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little friendlier now. I'm not gonna be totally friendly uh, <laughs> because it's not a perfect film. But I will say this movie has a little bit of a charm to it. I can't quite put my finger on a reason why. Uh, I had Dustin asked me in our group chat what I liked about it. <laughs> he was trying to say that I was just, you know, saying it because you were our guest and you picked it. But that's really not the case. Um, first of all, I, I enjoy unique little slashers, you know, little cheesy ones if they're done well. Uh, so that kind of gives it points. Um, here's what I'll say. If, if, and Brian kind of mentioned it. If Halloween and Psycho and House of Wax and Texas Chainsaw Massacre got together and Carrie and, and Carrie and Carrie, yes, I forgot. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> and they all got together and had a baby. That would it would birth Taurus Trap, nineteen seventy nine. <laughs> um, it's it's almost weird that this is kind of. I mean, this is basically the follow up from Compass International to Halloween. It came out in March of seventy nine. Halloween comes out October of 78. Like this is, I think their next horror film, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. So that is, you know, and you can kind of tell when it comes to the score throughout this film. Now it's not the Halloween score, but the, you know, it's kind of whimsical has that a little bit of synth to it. Uh, it's definitely, you know, got some inspiration there. Look, I like Chuck Connors. I think he's great in this role. Um, obviously I think the rest of the cast are kind of stock characters. You know, that remind me of a cheesy 80s slasher, even though it was in 79, same thing. Uh, I don't love it, okay? But I do like it enough that I would love, you know, me and Nico talked about this. I would love to see this concept modernized somehow. Uh, now, House of Wax kind of does that, but I'm not a big fan of that film. <laughs> I think this movie has a little more interesting elements. It, it has uh, it has a little bit of Friday the 13th, a little bit of Texas Chainsaw, a little bit of House of Wax. And you could get rid of the carry stuff for me and I'm in, you know, I, I think it could be modernized, but I do think there's some quirky, as you put it, charm to this movie that entertained me. I'll say it's unintentionally hilarious. 
especially the opening scene that we're about to get into. I think it's damn, it's damn funny to me. So I'm excited to talk about it. I'm not sure my rating will, I had a hard time rating this film because do, because my enjoyability factor with it is decently high, but I can acknowledge that it's not a great film. It's one of those, it's, it doesn't quite fall into the guilty pleasure for me, but it does kind of fall into the so bad it's good. Uh, and I don't know if it was trying to do that, but I, I think it kind of fits there. And I like so bad it's good movies, hence why I like Terrifier for no reason, apparently. I like Terrifier uh, for what it was. Uh, any more opening thoughts before we jump into it? All right, let's do actually, it. Actually, the only other thing I wanted to say is I, I found this fun fact. I think that would be a good time to say it, but um, director Schmoller was actually was actually startled when the film received the PG rating, like we talked about earlier, um, because despite you know despite its uh, disturbing subject matter and what he perceived as graphic violence, which I agree. Um, Schmoller stated in an interview with uh, TerrorTrap.com that he felt the film would have been more commercially successful had it received an R rating. I can't disagree with that. I I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. All right, uh, let's jump into the scene by scene. The film starts with a title card, opening credits, and a funky little score. Woody is pushing a spare tire along the road, and he's out of water on this hot day. He sees a sign for a gas station ahead. Jerry, Molly, and Becky drive up on Eileen, who is sitting under a sheet by their car. She says she's riding with him next time, and they pity him for walking so far in this heat. Woody walks into the gas station, calling out for service to no answer. He wanders the gas station and makes it to the back. He thinks he sees someone lying down and walks up to them when they don't respond. The mannequin springs up at him, laughing an evil laugh, and the door slams. The windows close, and he can't escape. A mannequin falls through the window, scaring him, and another one springs out the closet. He's surrounded by mannequins laughing at him. Woody uses a pipe to break a hole in the door, and something grabs him and he can't get free. He screams for them to let go, and the cabinet doors open and close repeatedly. The noise and laughter are relentless, and now bottles and cans fly towards him as he's helpless. A pipe is flung at him and impales him through his lower back, and he drips blood on the floor through the pipe. We hear a man talking in the background as the body is drug away and the camera pans the room. Slauson's Museum, four miles away, the sign says, as the rest of the crew drive. Jerry pulls off the side of the road, and they see the sign the museum is just ahead, and they find Woody's tire on the ground. They drive past the sign saying, close to the public. The car suddenly breaks down and won't crack back up. They all exit the car and ask Jerry, what's the issue? Eileen yells she might have found paradise. She leads the other ladies towards a waterfall into like a little spring. Molly doesn't think they should swim. They don't have bathing suits. Eileen says, who needs a bathing suit? Back to Jerry, and he still can't get the car to crank. We get a POV shot of someone staring at the ladies. Slauson walks up and asks if the ladies are enjoying themselves with a shotgun in his hand. (laughs) (laughs) He said back in the day, he charged 75 cents a day to 25 people to be here and blames the government's new highway for killing his business. He asks Molly her name and says he doesn't get guests anymore because everyone's in such a damn hurry. He asks what brings them here, and they apologize. They didn't mean to trespass. Their car broke down. He denies seeing Woody. Slauson warns them, saying they best leave before it gets dark. This hole gets full of water moccasins and laughs and walks away. They leave the lake and get back to Jerry laughing. They call Slauson weird and felt sorry for him. Slauson is there and asks Jerry what's the trouble. He offers to take them with him to his house to get his tools. And Molly is in agreement and gets in the truck first. All right, go ahead, Brian. That's the opening scenes I got. 
Okay, so right off the bat, you can definitely see that House of Wax, Texas Chainsaw Massacre trope of, you know, teens breaking down. Um, I got to say, though, I mean, first off, that tire he had, I mean, is that supposed to be before he puts air in it? Because that damn thing had plenty of air in it. <laughs> and let me just say, those friends that pull up and find out my man Woody is walking, damn, go pick his ass up. Like, at least right. you won't have to walk back with a bunch of assholes. Yes, what was what's up, Mike? Brian, when you hear the budget, you're going to realize they probably didn't have enough for more than one, you know, one set of tires. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I, I actually have something in here, but, um, but <laughs> let me get that. Go ahead. <laughs> a, a few things like the soundtrack. Okay, it's definitely entrenched, and God Almighty, it's loud enough, at least on my TV when I watched it. But that it becomes its own character, its own very loud ass character, and not only this set of scenes, but uh, you know, in a lot of it. And not always in a good way, but uh, Pino Dinaggio, he he did Grindhouse, See to Chucky. Um, he actually charged the studio one-sixth of the movie's entire budget to score this film. I mean, I, like Mike brought it up, I'm not going to take money Mike's thunder with the budget. But regardless, that seems like a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, like a lot of big chunk of the budget anyway. Um you know, and if that laughing during the set of scenes with, with Woody uh, sounds familiar, it was actually created for the Lady and the Tramp in 1955 and used prominently at Disney World in It's a Small World. And uh, and that's kind of funny because the scene kind of does feel like a house at Haunted Halloween Horror Nights or something. Um, and if you were like me and kind of wondering how they achieved the effects of the shit being thrown at Woody, which I'll be honest, I thought at first was just a shot from the side and someone was just chucking some shit at him. But apparently this is a shot with the cabinet um, nailed to the ceiling, which seems way harder than it needed to be. But the crew was just on top of the ceiling, like dropping the items straight down. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. And um, and I guess old dude was stabbed with a pipe. Yeah, I think that's what Nico said. I wasn't sure, honestly. But I did like that whole effect with the blood pouring out, basically like silence. You know, there until you hear him being drugged off by Mumble McGee there. But what I don't understand is why the tire, why is the tire just like on the side of the road when we clearly saw Woody drop it at the gas station, unless that's a different tire, maybe? I don't know. But, uh, it, you know, it's funny. They were like, eh, fuck old Woody. Let's get naked and go skinny dipping. And, and obviously here, I mean, the script called for nudity. But apparently Schmoller said that he was too embarrassed to bring it up with Tanya Roberts during the acting, um, during the rehearsals. And so, like, when they got to the scene, they basically all said no. And uh, Robert Sherwood actually had a bad experience with the director lying to her about nudity in 1975's Love Butcher a few years prior. So Schmoller was shut down. And, we, and what we got has to be the first PG-rated 1970s, 80s skinny dipping scene in a true horror movie. Well, Jaws, I guess, but at least a slasher. That's pretty rare. So um, anyway, lastly, I don't have much else on this group of scenes. At this point, I still don't know what the hell's going on, and that's fine. But that dialogue between Mr. Slauson and the girls, ooh, as Charles Barkley would say, it's terrible. Uh, yeah, okay. So, you know... I'm a sucker for these cheap tropes uh, because of movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like Wrong Turn, uh, where the kids break down and now they're stuck. So I'm a sucker for that idea. I, I find it interesting and kind of fun, okay? So forgive me, right off the bat, I'm a little hooked by this film. Uh, <laughs> you know, and here's the thing with Woody's death. I mentioned it in my open. 
right off the bat, I'm dying laughing because, and I look, I'm not an actor. I don't disparage other people's acting abilities or try not to. But my man Keith McDermott was terrible in the scene, man. He's, his facial expressions are so bad. Uh, I got to be honest. And I think because it was so over the top and a little cheesy, it was hilarious to me. All these objects flying off the wall and everything, this mannequin stuff. It was it was funny. And I was entertained, at least. I do like the the uh, I do like the kill as well, Brian. Uh, that whole silent blood thing. Like, I thought it was, you know, pretty interesting. Hadn't seen it before. I mean, I mean, we've seen it since, but up until that time, it was probably a pretty unique kill. I would imagine. Um, you know, then you get the girls and first of all, I completely agree. You don't have to swim with a bathing suit on. You can swim in shorts, underwear, birthday suit. Doesn't matter. It's all the same. We're all swimming out here. to Just make sure no weird, no weird amoeba swims anywhere. You don't want it to be. Um, and you'll be fine. So, I'm with you though. The I have it right here. What the hell is this dialogue? Sauce and the girls have a. It, it, it's a rough go, man. Um, again, I do like the creepy factor that Chuck Connors brings to this. You know, we kind of mentioned he had an interesting life and career. Boy, did he ever! You know, before this, he's playing professional sports and doing all kinds of other stuff. And to you know, see him, he's not. A, you know, he's not a professionally trained actor, but. He's good in this role. Like he's really good in and other stuff as well. But you know, he plays Mr. Sawson really well. He's creepy. Uh, you know, his facial expressions kind of remind me of old, the old man from Pet Cemetery. <laughs> Sometimes dead is better. Like that's kind of the facial expressions I get there. Uh, so I think it's you know, it's pretty good. Um, you know, well, you know, one quick fun fact, and I'm never the fun fact guy, so I enjoyed that I found this. Uh, the original intention was for this movie to be directed by Brian's favorite director, John Carpenter. Uh, so that's pretty much all I had. Uh, that, but um, it's a fun opening set of scenes to me. Does the movie get a little eh from here? Kind of, but I like that concept that we have so far. And I, you know, I have a appreciation for just this, that, you know, with hindsight, this is a trope. But in 1979, yeah, you had House of Wax and you had, uh, Jane saw massacre in 74, but this was still kind of a more unique concept. At least we hadn't seen it to death, you know, because of sequel after sequel after sequel. But, uh, so far I'm at least interested. It's the best scene ever. The blood dripping is pretty creepy. Actually, that, that was a good effect. I thought a pra- practical effect along with this cabinet. Um, it was kind of cool to read about how they did that. And I also yeah, sure. am really digging Woody's, uh, it, he's got the little buddy hat, you know, Gilligan, Gilligan's mm-hmm. Island hat. That's what I like his little hat, but, uh, and, uh, Chuck Connors, wonderful actor. Um, I think I, I'd seen that he wanted to fashion himself as some sort of, uh, 1980s Boris Karloff and mm-hmm. was hoping this movie would do that for him, which it, I guess it didn't, but. I, I don't cool. think it did. <laughs> or a Victor Price or whatever. <laughs> the other lady, the Molly character, her dad is a really famous actor as well. One of my all-time favorite. I don't know if I actually classified as horror movie, but I guess it is. Uh, Bad Seed. It's from 1950. Oh, I forget which year. But great film. Another one that y'all have got to watch, but they have to put that down on, on your list. Her dad was in Bad Seed, so... Good movie. 
or they make it to Slauson's museum. He tells the kids to have a look around. He decorated it himself. They ask where he got all this junk, but he says this is his memories. He gives them all a beer to have together. He tells them his past and has been a lot worse than just his museum closing. Eileen says these mannequins are so lifelike. He says his brother made them and he was so good he got hired away. He shows them a mannequin that shoots a gun at them and he gets a good laugh. Eileen sees a house across the street and asks if he lives there. Slauson says Davy Crockett lives there, showing off another mannequin. He asks the girls to protect the museum while he and Jerry go fix the Jeep. Eileen asks to use the phone, but it doesn't work. He and Jerry walk out, and he says not to wander outside. Eileen says there's something funny with him in that house. She thinks he's hiding something and may have a phone that works. And then Molly tells Eileen to, don't go out there. Form a posse yes. if I'm not back in 10 minutes. Got to be in the intro at some point, Brian. <laughs> It's Absolutely. at 2154, not that I already marked that. <laughs> <laughs> she leaves and heads to the house. She hears talking on the inside and just walks inside. She sees all the mannequins, then she hears her name whispered. She thinks it's Woody. She goes into another room full of creepy mannequins. The eyes follow her as she walks past them. She looks in the mirror and wraps a scarf around her neck. A creepy-looking guy walks in, shattering the mirror, locking the door and sliding a chair under her to sit in. The scarf now begins to choke her as it shatters the jars in the room. Back to Molly and Becky, they find a mannequin that looks like it could touch her and it feels like flesh. Molly backs away, creeped out. They hear a sound and are scared when Slauson walks in. He tells them Jerry took his truck to town. They couldn't fix the Jeep. He tells them how great his wife was. He says they were going to make this place a nice resort by the spring, but she died so young. Cancer killed her. She died in his arms. He gets very emotional. He stands up and asks where the other girl is. They say she went outside. He walks out furiously and begins to look for her. He looks through a house calling out for Davy. He goes in her room and is shocked when he sees Eileen as a mannequin now. Molly looks through a photo album and she grows suspicious. She says his wife looked just like that mannequin. They walk up to take a closer look. He walks in and says he loved her very much and keep her memory alive forever. He says that's the point of wax museums. Slauson turns the music off and tells them he didn't find Eileen. The ladies are concerned. He grabs a shotgun and says he's going to go find her, but they don't like that, so he puts it down and leaves to go find her, and he tells them to stay put. All right, go ahead, Brian. So yeah, I had that marked right here about the don't go out there. But it's so besides Tucker and Dale, is this the only the second time that we've ever had it that we've reviewed? We've had, we've there has been one more, I think. I know it's Tucker I and Dale, think, but I can't remember yeah, if there was another yeah, one. Yeah, there's Tucker and Dale, this one. I could have swore there was one more. Friday, Friday Part we, 7 has one, but we haven't done it yet. Okay, all right, all right, okay. Thank um, God we haven't done it yet. Oh, sorry. Oh, it's happening, though. It's I happening. know. Another Carrie ripoff, anyway. Let's go. I would rather watch that than 10. Anyway, go ahead. Um, I have to say, after the Eileen death here, that I think I would have liked this more had it just kind of just been a killer in the mask like that instead of this whole carry specifically going to carry the whole carry supernatural stuff. Um, and apparently the original script did not have any telekinesis in it either. And the mannequins moved around and killed because they were haunted. Like, I honestly think that I personally would have preferred that if I'm being honest. Um, a little fun fact about Robert Burns who handled the art direction and the special effects. He actually came from the original Texas chainsaw massacre movie. So Definitely obvious why there's some similarities there. And because of that, um, this Davy killer was actually dubbed Plasterface by the crew. It's kind of a nod to Leatherface. And uh, 
Lastly, uh, Eileen's kill, though, one of the worst ones. Um, just a strangle. Uh, but I will shout out Robin Sherwood. Her and Tanya being my favorite characters here. And, you know, and she she's most famous for being Carol in Death Wish 2. Um, have you guys ever actually seen any of those Death Wish movies with, with Charles Bronson? I haven't personally. That's all I had. That's it. Uh, okay. So I'm still kind of interested. However, my biggest problem with this film, and sometimes it's okay uh, when a movie does this, but th- th- this movie shows its hand right away about who the bad guy is going to end up being. So, you know, part of, you know, in 1979, there's no one's looking for the next big twist in a film it's just kind of, you know, cut and dry of who the bad guy is going to be. And so in the opening scene, we know the Sasson is probably going to end up being the bad guy here. Right. But then they give it this elaborate backstory about his brother and his wife and all this other stuff. And the, you know, again, hadn't seen this movie until we watched it to do this. I called it right away. I said, well, that's all going to be bull crap, you know? And so again, we have the benefit of hindsight, obviously. Uh, but I, you know, it's not that I don't enjoy the story. I just like, well, now I want to see how how the reveal of Salsen goes. Like, that's what kept my interest through the entire film. And and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Just a little bit of a nitpick, I think. Um, yeah, this Eileen kill is bad, man. But I'm going to tell you, it. You, you don't know how much it's taken me to not throw in a bunch of come on Eileen jokes already. <laughs> so I've been kind of holding them back. I hope Eric's listening so he can be mad about all the puns again, but I'm just saying Eileen could have gotten away. Come on, Eileen. See how easy that is. Anyway, sorry. Anyone named Eileen is just screwed, man. Um, I do think this, uh, this um, live mannequin thing is interesting which is, again, why I would like to see it modernized. Um, you don't necessarily get that in House of Wax. They kind of become wax figures, statues. Um, but in this one, you know, they move. It, it's very interesting. Um, and it, now, you know my feeling on on telekinetic powers. Uh, as much as I like the movie Carrie, and I do, because Sissy Spacek is awesome, uh, any other movie that uses it, I, I, I don't like it. I, I think it's bad in Friday Part 7. It's bad in some other things too. Uh, so the explanation for all these things moving on their own is telekinesis brother. Like I'm just playing all the hits tonight. You're lucky. There's not a call me sometime. (laughs) That's all I had, but I do think this is a fun set of scenes because it is laying some, I guess I just like the movie more than you guys. (laughs) Cause it's laying some good groundwork, you know? Now again, this story ends up being fully baloney and I kind of called that, but I still think this character that Chuck Connors is portraying is at least interesting. I uh, got a kind of a laugh over the scarf because again, I'm going to go back to my cartoon roots when I, and shows I watched as a kid, Woody's little Gilligan hat and the little red scarf is like Fred from Scooby-Doo, his little ascot. Jack's like, it's like some beautiful, it's like, I don't, I don't get it, but, uh, the fashion most definitely back in my daughter is a teenager and just, she watched it with me and she's like, Oh my God, that outfit is, those are so cool. Well, you're not wearing anything like that. That's basically what I had to tell her. But anyway, uh, she begs to differ, but uh, I do. One thing I, I I wonder about the film, I I get confused and maybe we can touch on it a little bit later too. Are they mannequins or are they wax figures? 
And then, of course, some of them are most obviously people. Both, I think, yeah. Right, I and I guess both. we're meant to think that, yeah, that they're both. Uh, I don't like right. any one of them. I don't like dummies for sure. So <laughs> um, they really do freak me out. Maybe that's what, what made me think about this movie when I was younger. But come on, Eileen. I like the 80s reference. That's pretty cool. That's my time, man. Great song, by the way, yeah. first of all. Mm-hmm. Dexie's Midnight Runners. Thank you very much for that mm-hmm. awesome song. Yes. Also, Missy, I also don't like wax statues. I, I've been to the the uh, wax museum out in Los Angeles, and it's creepy. That, that's not fun. It's creepy. The, I mean, you walk by one room, there's Michael Jackson, and in the next mo- room, there's Rihanna, and it's very strange. And there's a Tom Hanks one that talks. It's it's not not for me. Not for me. Not. We I'm went not to the Madame Tussauds in New York. Uh, and it was, yeah, they, they like watch you. It was an odd assortment of people in a room. And I had, I did, I had to hit my picture again, eighties reference of the Ronald Reagan wax figure. <laughs> um, that, yeah. Otherwise in that, that was, it, that bothered me. It just was very unnerving, but people like it for some weird reason. The other thing that made this uh, film made me think about in terms of you're talking about Seiko and Carrie and House of Wax, um, oddly enough, is the movie Cars, because it really is the same thing. They build another highway. Nobody goes to the Radiator Springs or whatever the heck the name of that town was. So they just didn't, you know, go go crazy. But it's still, it's still like, oh, well, you, we wanted this to be this great place. And they built that new highway. And damn, nobody comes over here anymore. So you're saying Lightning Lightning McQueen didn't kill everybody? Exactly. Lightning McQueen goes rogue here. I mean, I it's hard not to believe it because we know that Pixar animators take reference from horror movies since literally Toy Story has the Shining's carpet in the movie. (laughs) Just saying. That's all I'm saying. Right now I gotta watch Toy Story again. I love that. I don't remember that. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that one. Oh yeah. I'll send a picture. Oh, mileage Mike going out to Los Angeles. It was when I played college football, you asshole. I went for free. <laughs> and what's actually really funny, and this is going to end up being cut by Brian because it's too long. But the, No, you don't have to. But the oh. day before we went to the Wax Museum, Justin Timberlake was there scaring people as himself. He acted like a wax statue, and then he jumped out at people. I was like, oh. well, I didn't go out there. I had to punch Justin Timberlake in the face. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. Cutting that? Why would I cut that? <laughs> I don't know. Because you hate me, brother. It's because you hate cu- me. Now I'm cutting that, but okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, Molly asks Becky not to leave, but she succumbs and goes with her, even though she thinks it's a mistake. They walk to the house, and Becky says, That's Eileen's laugh. Molly says, Becky is going in alone because she's going back. Becky climbs to the second floor and into a window as Molly walks away. I think she has some skill breaking into people's houses. <laughs> oh, yeah. Becky makes ghost noises with the flashlight and calls for Eileen as she goes into a dark room. She calls for Woody as well as she shines the light on all these female mannequins. Becky still thinks they're playing a game and she's growing scared. We see Eileen's mannequin appear and call her name quietly and begin to follow her. Becky leaves the room and goes into another room and she thinks she found Eileen. She walks closer and the mannequin spins around scaring her. She runs away and is tackled by someone with another Eileen lookalike face. The door shut and locked, and she can't escape. The figure causes mannequins to telepathically fall on her. She grabs a mannequin arm and hits it in the head. Becky crawls away, and now naked mannequins rock back and forth, making weird moaning noises 
and then following her and some hoe of her looking at looking down at her. Becky is carried downstairs by the creepy figure and tied up. He tells the woman bound to the table he brought her a visitor. He asks, why don't you like me? And he exits the basement. Jerry is bound up behind Becky and says that that's Slauson's crazy brother. Tina tells them he's going to kill us. He abducted her when she was getting gas on the highway. We're all going to die, she says. We see the brother applying makeup and his top hat as he goes back into the basement. We are going to have a party, he chants, and he asks how's he look. He forces Becky to drink something and splashes it on Jerry. It says he can't get away. Tina refuses the drink and he shoots it. The party's over, he says. It's a shame you have to die. He now binds her head to the table and he tells her she'll die of fright. He applies his white-looking plaster on her head and face. As it starts to dry, it burns the skin. He seals her lips and now her eyes. Your world is dark. You'll never see again. It's hard to breathe, but you won't suffocate. Your heart will burst before you lose consciousness. We see Tina squirming until she dies. Tough for Jerry and Becky to watch. He says, now you're one of us too, Tina. Uh, Jerry has gotten free and attacks the man, but he does a pitiful job and is quickly overtaken as he's thrown into the wall. He picks Jerry up by the throat and is choked. All right, go ahead, Brian. <laughs> First off, I did want to compliment the cinematography in this group of scenes. I honestly haven't been very impressed with any of the shots in this movie, really, but up to this point, but the shots of Molly and Becky walking outside the shots of those two with the house, like the house out of focus in the background, definitely vibes of Texas chainsaws famous shot there. Um, but it stood out to me. And, uh, but what the fuck with this script writing? I mean, <laughs> so Becky sees a light on at the house, a stranger's house that's in the middle of nowhere, you know, that they, they just got to. And even though my guy Woody has been missing and nobody else gives a fuck about him, her first instinct is to assume that, oh, Woody and Eileen are up there fucking. I was like, what? <laughs> like, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> then their genius idea is to go scare them. Like, I just wanted to point out, by the way, <laughs> that David Schmoller, Sion Harris, and even Chuck Connors, Mr. Slauson, had writing credits on this. And this is the best that we came up with here? I mean, what? Like, <laughs> which, which completely makes this entire scene with Becky just silly because the whole time I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? I don't even buy a single bit of it. Um, now, look, it is cool with the whole wax museum thing with them being like stuck forever like that that way. I mean, it's it's the way it's done here. And even with with Eileen and that jump scare, this whole sequence is is pretty awful, especially with this like Disney movie soundtrack we have going on here um, with this and the mannequins like, you know, hovered around her like humming that I just was like, I this 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 scene definitely lost me. Um I was going to say, too, I wasn't really a fan of Davey talking. Like, the mumbling, the voice, the whole thing to me was just more distracting than it was, you know, scary or bothersome. Um, but as far as Tina's death scene, uh, just a little fun fact, and I'll get out of here, but that plaster with, uh, was actually pizza dough, apparently, um, real world. But in the movie world, that's a pretty terrifying way to go. I mean, like, what I, you know, what I didn't like, though, with this is... is how fast she died. It was just one of those like, you know, the, the old school horror movies, you know, where they die like that. But um, that's all I had. Bro. It's almost like we had the same brain for the set of scenes. Literally I'm yelling at the TV. I'm like, what in the fuck are you doing going out there? Like, I know the name of our show is don't go out there and we could pun that to death as I like to do on this show. However, 
man. <laughs> they go out looking around, and Brian's right. You know, the actual script here doesn't make a whole lot of sense because this, you know, since Woody's death, we haven't even heard about him, heard from him, seen him, anything. And all of a sudden, they're they're thinking they're all fucking like, I don't know, be a little more concerned than that. And if I did go outside, I would maybe, I don't know, bring some kind of light. It's not like... It's not like it's 1779. It's 1979. They have lanterns and shit and flashlights. I mean, come on. Anyway, uh, I'm just saying it. it uh, anyway, it drove me nuts too, man. Um, you know, and this scene is, it's not, to me, it's not awful. It's just weird. All the mannequin, you know, the different wax figures and mannequins kind of hovering or, you know, floating or, you know, whatever you call that. I just found it to be a little odd. Uh, not necessarily bad, but it kind of made me go, eh, man, you had me for a little bit there. And the movie really did have me. Uh, but this, this part of this set of scenes kind of took me out of it a little bit. Um, I'm like, ah, eh, this is, man, this is a little too over the top, even for a cheesy, you know, late seventies, you know, slasher movie. Uh, I just didn't think it worked for what I was hoping the movie would be. And I know we had the objects flying earlier in the film, but this one kind of took it to another level. In my opinion, I'll say this about Tina's death. I'm going to disagree with Brian here. I love it. I think it's brutal. It, it's brutal in a nonviolent way. If that makes sense, it's brutal. Cause that's a brutal way to die. That is one of my biggest fears in the world. Is it not? I mean, technically it would be drowning, but like, that's another way to drown, I suppose, to suffocate, to drown. Like, lack of breathing really scares the shit out of me. And so that whole ordeal is scary. That's a scary death. And in a PG movie, you know, when you're kind of leaning away from nudity, you're leaning away from bloody, gory violence, that's a that's a terrifying death. Spoiler, it's going to be my favorite kill in the film. So, because I just think it's really cool and unique. I hadn't seen anything like it up until that point. And I, I, I don't know, man. I thought it was pretty good. And it, I know it was pizza dough, Brian, but it looked like wax, like a, a big, you know, it looked like wax looks before you start to melt it in that process. Having, having had to do a, make a candle night one time with an old girlfriend, it looks like a chunky wax before you melt it. By the way, don't tell us it. Or ladies, if you're listening, it's not a great date idea. Don't do it. My thought about that scene was, who the hell is Tina? I, 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 I Wait a minute. At first I thought it was the girl who got strangled. But then, I don't I guess she was just <laughs> someone else that had been kidnapped. I don't know. I, I, I had to go back and look at that one. I, for a long time, I thought it was the other girl that had maybe been semi-killed or something. But I, that was a little weird. Um. And Jerry is just a, a, a wimp with his little leather, or not leather, the denim get up with his vest and all that. That's pretty cool, though, when he when he grabs him by the throat and pushes him up. Um, you can just see the sheer size of Chuck Connors anyways. Far as yes, that was a cool kid. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah. Yeah, that was cool. But the mannequins falling and the ooing and aahing or the whatever, I don't even know what those noises were, but it was... Weird. Now, one yeah. time, okay, but two times, it's like how many dummies are falling out of here on her? I don't. I that part I didn't like at all. It was just too strange. 
Hey, Nico, before you go, if you were going to kill Tina in a movie, it should have been Tina from Halloween 5. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Sounds personal, brother. All right. It Molly, is personal, brother. <laughs> Molly is back at the museum pacing around. She turns the music back on and prances around the mannequin that looks like the dead wife. Jerry is bound up again, and we hear the brother talking about how he's going to kill his brother, and he drops a key on the floor. He says he forces me to wear this mask because he's better looking than him. He says he uses the gas station to catch people. Jerry keeps reaching for the key, but it keeps moving away. He jokes that's a fun trick to use. He admits his powers to them as he makes another mask. Molly is back outside looking around, and she hears someone whisper her name. Molly cries out for them to stop messing with her. The brother pops out and holds a skull out that yells at Molly. She takes off running, and he says how pretty she is. Molly climbs over a fence, and she falls over. The brother throws his skull at her, and it screams at her again. She gets up and takes off running. Molly stops in a pool of water, then a snake gets on her. She runs away more into the woods. She sees a truck and flags it down. It's Slauson. She says he's trying to kill me. He tries to calm her down and asks, was it an animal? She says, some kind of horrible man. He asks what he looked like. Slauson slams brake when she says he had a mask on. He says that was his brother. Slauson says he used to not hurt anyone. He's his brother. He has to protect him. He asks what mask he had on, a doll face. Tried to look like me when I was a kid. Molly says she doesn't want to go back to the house with him. He's going to turn the radio on to find him. Molly says she's scared and wants to go with him. He gives her the gun to shoot at anyone that may come up. She hears all kind of animal noises and calls for Slauson. Do you hear me? She yells. She panics and screams, and we hear the radio turn on. We see the brother appear behind the truck. She yells for Slauson and finally shoots him. He stands back up and hobbles to her, but she shoots him again. He hits the brother in the face, sh uh, shattering the mask, and reveals it's actually Slauson. He smiles an evil smile, and she runs back into the woods. She yells for Jerry. She now begins to sink in the mud, and Slauson appears behind her in the water. He strangles her and holds her head under the water. And the next group of scenes, Brian, are the ending. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so Molly being chased by Davy through the woods, probably one of the most visually interesting parts of the movie. Uh, which to me, even you know, even with the tripping, the walking horror movie tropes, you know, we get that. But um, but this soundtrack that that's that's going on during this wood scene, I told you, is so up and down. This movie, like, but this one set. Sounded like I was watching a Rocky training montage with him and Apollo Creed training on the beach somewhere. Um, and honestly, and I think this is just a transfer issue, I think, but I couldn't really tell what was going on. It was so dark. Um, so like I said, I'm sure that's just a, a high definition transfer issue. But um, it, it really, when, when Slauson pushed up, pulled up from that point, I couldn't hardly see what was going on. Um, the reveal, I mean, okay. Uh, Molly's fake out death was a little anticlimactic kind of after all that. Um, nice idea, but the execution I don't think was, was really, really great. There was no real struggle from her. Nothing really. I mean, just kind of, I would have liked to have seen her bit by moccasins or something just to kind of hark back to what he said at the start of it with snakes being in the lake. But, um, I don't know. It may have explained why the hell she's being treated like she's sick in the next set of scenes and shivering like she has the flu from the water or, or what? Like, I, I, mean, I didn't get that. I was like, oh, okay. Um, but at this point, the movie has already kind of lost me. Um, 60 minutes in, and this is, uh, and at this point, the hour and 25 minutes seems, seems pretty long. But maybe, maybe you guys can shed some light on that whole sickness 
part of it. Uh, no, I can't. <laughs> I can't. Because, you know, <laughs> I've given this film some praise. This is where I, like, shocker, I agree with Brian. I, I, it loses me. Now, not, not the reveal. I'm going to save my thoughts on that. But, you know, this scene where everyone, or not everyone, where, you know, this chase scene is basically in the dark. I mean, it's really in the dark. And I know you mentioned the transfer problem. And if that's it, I'm willing to forgive it. But I I, I even turned the lights off <laughs> in the room to see if I could see what was going on. And I couldn't. So I'm not really sure what was happening. The score is like, it's not quite whimsical, but it's, it's I don't know how to describe it, but it doesn't fit what's actually happening on screen. Or maybe it does because I couldn't see what was going on on screen. So I'm not really sure. Uh, but yeah, that one, you know, let's get to the reveal because again, as predictable as, you know, Sawson being revealed as bad guy, I'm okay with it. I think the reveal was kind of cool, different, you know, normally you're you're kind of waiting on some big setup reveal. You know, when you think about the best horror reveals of all time, you know, you think Billy and Stu, uh, you, you know, things like that, you know, basically all the screen movies, except for one. <laughs> uh, which doesn't have a good reveal, but anyway, hey, don't make that face, Nico. All the screen reveals are great except for one. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but I actually think it's different because we knew it was coming. It wasn't a matter of if; it was a matter of when. And the fact that she basically beats the shit out of him, and he's like, "Eh, I, it's time to reveal myself now," because you, you can't. You know, you probably think it's someone else. Surprise, it's me. She almost made this look like she wasn't super surprised, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was kind of like, eh, I figured, you know, I, I figured it was you. Um, But I actually like, you know, the facial expressions that Chuck Connors is making there. I think it's pretty good. Um, And, I, you know, I really think the reveal, because I knew it was coming, didn't let me down. Like, you know, a lot of other movies, and you know. Like Scream Three let me down, you know. It didn't give me that same dissatisfaction. I thought it was okay. So some good and some bad. Uh, a mixed bag in the set of scenes. Gotcha, bitch. <laughs> it's me. Gotcha, bitch. Yeah, the music uh, really threw me because at the beginning, at least, too. It sounds like, it's like a demented clockmaker or something. I don't know. And this, just, and just... this guy got one third of the budget. <laughs> yeah, and I guess he was. I don't know famous for other thing, but this just didn't work. That that music was just distracting. Seed of Chucky does not count as being famous for other things. Sorry, go ahead. All right. Uh, we're back in the basement, and we see Becky and Jerry bound up. Becky slides a blade to Jerry, and he saws at the table leg he's bound to. Slauson sits with the Eileen mannequin, and he puts a mask on, and has the other mannequin eat with him, and they converse about soup until the head falls off. Molly is in bed, and she wakes up as a woman washes her face and gives her some drink. Molly asks if she'll take her home, but she sits back down. Jerry gets free and gets Becky loose. They hug and walk up the basement stairs. They walk through the hall full of mannequins. We see Slauson playing with dolls and ask if they saw something. He looks into the hall and we see Becky and Jerry trying to hide amongst the other mannequins. He goes back to his dolls. Jerry tries to find a way out the house. Slauson barges in the room with him and Jerry leaps through a window and off the porch and into the woods. Jerry hobbles, and we see Becky sneak out, too. She runs out into the woods and falls over. Slauson appears and picks her up, asking what happened, and takes her back to the museum. Becky hears her name whispered, and she follows the voice. 
All the mannequins light up and shoot at her as she hides. Slauson watches on laughing. Becky is killed when a Native American mannequin throws a knife into the into the back of her head. Mannequin tips his hat to her and the lights fade. Slauson wakes up Molly and carries her out the room and takes her back upstairs. He lies her on a blanket and says, little girl, you look tired. He shuts and locks the door telekinetically. We see Molly begin to convulse. She wakes up when she hears singing from the mannequins. She begins to crawl away until the mannequins all lean towards her and sing. She screams in fear. Slauson walks up to her and says it's time. He drags her into another room. What are you going to do to me, she asks. He says, this is my brother's room. He's dead now. Slauson says Molly is special because she looks like his wife. He places her mask on her and begins to kiss it. Tell me you love me, Slauson, says to Molly. I love you, she says, as he presses his face to her. Slauson gets up slowly with an angry face. He admits he killed his wife and brother. They were they were whoring behind his back, he says, in his own house. They had to die. He's got a legal right to kill them both if they're cheating. He says he can't control himself. We hear a door shaking. Jerry breaks in and calls for Molly to come with him. She gets behind Jerry and he asks about the others. Slauson laughs at Jerry. Slauson says Jerry can't kill him. Slauson pulls Jerry's arm and head off and pushes his body to the ground. Molly can't believe it when all the mannequins move around. Slauson dances with a mannequin and Molly grabs the axe and chops or hacks at Slauson right in his neck. He falls over dead with all the mannequins with their mouths open. Molly screams and now we see Molly driving the Jeep away with her friend's mannequin version. All right, that's the ending. Go ahead, Brian. Okay, so what a bizarre-ass scene eating with the mannequin and the soundtrack there. I mean, a little tidbit, the woman giving uh, Molly a drink here is actually David Schmoller's then-wife, which I don't have a name, so I've definitely failed in that right. But she apparently had two lines of dialogue, but then they got cut, um, and she says she never forgave him for that. Maybe that's why she was his then-wife and not now-wife, but anyway. Um, the shot of them walking through the mannequins down the hallway is a visually interesting shot for sure. But I laughed with them trying to act like mannequins. I was like, come come on, like, come on guys. Uh, this isn't a wax museum quality bunch of mannequins here. I mean, these are like mannequins from fucking Sears. Like who, who are you fooling here? (laughs) I mean, like really? And, uh, and I'm sorry, I don't think this is disrespectful. I laughed at this whole scene with these mannequins shooting at Becky here. The sound mixing, so it's not her fault. But her moans and stuff, like, sounded more sexual than scared. And so it, like, it definitely took me out of the movie. And I was like, I was like, what? Wait, what's going on here? Um, now, the back, the axe to the back of the head, I'll give it props for sure. It... It, I, it's between that and the first death for my favorite deaths, but it's definitely bloody enough where, where I really liked it. I, I will give a props for that. Um, and my man should get his narcolepsy checked out because, I mean, he was sitting next to Molly, fell asleep pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, wow, it was it was weird to see him make out with that, uh, with that mannequin mask. So, yeah, audience members, you, you heard me right there on that one. He, uh, But, yeah, anyway, that's my thoughts on the ending. So it was weird. Um, it didn't really make much sense to me. Uh, it did have nice visuals with the mannequins. Um, I kind of would have liked to have seen it end right there and let us assume maybe that they all got her. The ending shot with her and all the mannequins. So wait, so Becky wasn't there because she was just straight up killed and not mannequinified. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. It was, it's just, uh, it was bizarre to me. Go ahead, Mike. I believe the, the correct term is my, 
Manicified? I don't know. I'm just making that up. I have oh, no idea, bro. Uh, no. I just made up mannequinified. So, okay. Everything you just said is completely valid, 100. percent Okay. But I thought this ending was fun as shit, man. <laughs> this movie is bonkers, man. <laughs> this movie is wild. Uh, I mean, the reasoning behind why Salson is the way he is. I think it's at least interesting. Uh, obviously, you suspected that he killed both of them, but to hear why, I think it's a fun little twist uh, that I didn't see coming the first time I saw it. Maybe I have like first time viewer bias or something. Like, I'm not really sure. But, um, I, I, man, I don't know. I thought the ending was pretty fun. The dinner scene is kind of, um, that's, that's one of those scenes that I would love to see updated. In a modern film. Because I think you could make that intense. And scary as shit. If you wanted to. And it's still pretty freaky. <laughs> you know it's weird. It's 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 wacky. I, I don't know. There's something about it that I really enjoyed. Uh, you know then you get. You know here with. Jerry, Becky and Salson. And look I got to tell you. Did not see what happened to Jerry coming. <laughs> uh, first of all. Jerry is a basic-ass character name. I'm very sorry if her name is Jerry. I don't mean to offend you, but that is a very basic name. Just like, I know because my name is Mike. Hello? I know what I'm talking about here. Uh, but anyway, I look, I like that scene too, man. I, I think him being, you know, mannequinized, as Brian so eloquently put it, was really fun and something I didn't see coming. Like, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. Now, I will say the acting from the woman who played Becky here, not, not super great. Uh, some of the sounds and stuff were a little, uh, you know, out there, but I think the kill of Sawson is cool. The, you know, ax to the back of the head and, you know, neck area looked really, really good. I think the, you know, practical effect looked pretty nice there. Um, and I gotta be honest, the ending got a giant laugh out of me in a good way. The actual ending. Her driving off with mannequin versions of all of her best friends makes me giggle, man. Like I can't help it. I, there was something I had a lot of fun with that. Uh, so, yeah, I actually think this this set of scenes and the first set of scenes are both fun. Like, there's something about them that have a charm. I don't know what it is. There's a, you know, a middle part in the movie. Like, you know, you get a really good sandwich on artisan bread but they didn't use the right quality of meat. That's kind of how I feel about the film here. So, uh, yeah, all in all, you know, not a great movie, but the the opening closing, I think, are pretty damn solid, and especially the ending, which I just think is a freaking bucket of fun for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> that ending is what I remember most uh, and probably what made me think about this movie. I, I, and as a kid, of course, it freaked me out. I, I felt, oh, I just... The thought of it, you know, all your little friends in the back and they've all, you know, they're all mannequins or something. And it just, that stuck with me as a kid. So, um, but it was, yeah, upon rewatch, yes, it's, uh, it's ridiculously funny. And, and I loved it. Um, that final scene too, or when the, the mannequins look, some look like mannequins and some look like real people. That was kind of cool. I thought that I guess she was just losing her mind or who knows who was real or not real. Um, but yeah, that last scene, oh, that that's my favorite. Okay. Here's a question. A better ending scene, very last scene now. Okay. So you have to pick one. This or A Nightmare on Elm Street in 84. Yeah. I was thinking about The Nightmare on Elm Street whenever we were talking about this. I guess just 
crazy ass driving away yeah. fucking endings. I don't know, but that's but which one the is same thing. which which one is visually better? Don't lie because it, because eighty four Elm Street's a classic. Don't do that. Oh, the mom mannequin or the mom doll is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Being sucked through. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, you have to think about it now, don't you? Uh-huh. And the car with and the car with Freddie's sweater on top. Get out of here. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't even think they knew what they were doing with that. Anyway. Any final thoughts on the movie before we just jump into some fan comments and questions? Nope. Good. All right, I'll uh I'm not gonna read Kevin Potoff's comment exactly from facebook i'll just put it this way uh just because he has a special way of leaving comments uh he basically said thank goodness for fans because uh you know missy we we're supposed to do your review uh i think a couple weeks right after joe picked the uh, return of the living dead he said thank god for fans picking movies because they actually picked some good ones <laughs> so kevin potoff is a big fan of uh, your movie choice uh Alex hey, feel one- privileged because he doesn't like anything he like anything we pick except nico awesome. No, he he liked my movie last night. And that's just yep. the first of of few he's liked. <laughs> All right, on Instagram, Alex one commented, "Is this where the name of the podcast came from? If Carrie and House of Wax had a baby, it would be named Taurus Trap. What a wacky movie! It's supposed to be a horror comedy, right? I don't even know, man. And as creepy and <laughs> and as creepy and folksy as he is, I kind of want Chuck Connors to be my dad and take me to Cracker Barrel." <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I love it. Hey, you're you, you the meatloaf special with three sides. Nico, before you go, I just want to say the name of this show, and we I think we told the story on, on our one-year anniversary, so here's a quick synopsis really, really quick. The move or the name of this show, I have zero idea where Dustin thought of it. I could not tell you for the life of me how he came up with it, but I pitched the idea to him that because me and him were talking about Friday or Halloween or one of those. And I said, yeah, me and Nico oh, are thinking about starting a horror movie podcast. And then the next thing he sends me is a graphic with don't go out there. That looks like blood. You know, the old logo that we have on the, on the t-shirt at Brian. Don't go out there.com. Thank you. Uh, that's the old logo that he sent me. And I was like, that's a great name. That has to be the name. I sent it to Nico and it's been the name ever since. So uh, I, I, that's, that's the origin of the name. Don't go out there. I have zero idea where he came, where he got it from. You'd have to ask Dustin. A lot, a lot of this show just felt meant to be, honestly. Uh, and the last comment we have is from Elbow.Tyler. He just commented uh, basically the same thing we've all said. House of Wax meets TCM. Yes, please. Such a disturbing and surreal little underrated gem. And then he followed up his comment with saying, Eileen, don't go out there. And I made <laughs> sure to tell him that we wrote that down. Oh, yes. <laughs> Come uh, on, Eileen. Let's do our fun facts now, Missy. Do you want to? Do you have any fun facts specifically? I don't have any. I've already all my mind have been said throughout the show. But Stephen King really likes the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I thought that, that was interesting. I don't know. I don't know whether I've really read why, but I guess he found it creepy. It is. Who creepy. knows why Stephen King likes or does anything? This is very King true. <laughs> I was going to say as much as smart as he is, and it's not to disparage the good damn name of Taurus Trap. Well, Stephen King's got a weird taste in shit. He he likes a lot of out there shit. I mean, look at what he's written. I mean... Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, the second part of It's not... It's a little not, bit out there. I said the, yeah, the second part of It's not super great if you read the whole book. It's 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 a little disturbing. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I've only got two. I, um, 
Connor's parents in the movie were actually played by director David Schmoller's uh, parents, his real life parents. And uh, I had to I had to put something about Tanya Roberts in here just because of, you know, what I kind of the story I told you at the beginning. But she insisted on running through the woods barefoot in one scene. She thought I would help her better project a sense of pain and fear. The result was also that her feet were bloodied. Okay, so the budget, Brian, if you want to know what the uh, guy who did the music got one sixth of is. $350,000. $350,000. Was it one-sixth or one-third? Let me go. Okay. You said one-sixth. I have no idea either way. But uh, $350,000. Uh, one-sixth, you right. Was the budget. And I got to I gotta be honest. I don't know. Maybe you found it, Brian. I couldn't find a gross. Um, so, but I will say if, a fun thing is the movie's had two Blu-ray releases, one in 2020, one in 2021. And one, the one in 2020, has like a VHS-style retro cover art on it. Uh, you know, it looks like it comes in a VHS thing, and I think that's a pretty cool thing. So much so that I may have to buy it just to say I have it. I mean, it's cost like $9.99. It's really not that, you know, it's not going to put me out. I'm going to have to borrow a little bit from Nico, yeah, you know, so I can afford it. Money, Mike, $9.99, that's like a 10 cents to us. Oh, what this, <laughs> this man just made 999 selling shoes this afternoon. I don't want to hear that shit. I didn't even say anything. <laughs> you laughed. You're guilty by association. All right, fair enough. Uh, let's jump into our favorite kill, least favorite kill in the rating. Missy, this was your legendary blood donor pick. Would you like to go first or you want to go last? Oh, sure. I'll go first. Uh, it has to be the first one. Uh, Woody. I just, it did, his death didn't really fit with anything else in that movie in terms of what how it was done or what was used i just like the effects i thought that the uh the cabinet was really well done and the end with the pipe when it's just quiet and you hear the blood dripping down i thought it was really even though nobody cared about him like you said the rest of the movie he got a good <laughs> kill <laughs> least favorite is uh scooby-doo uh fred scarf lady whatever her name was i don't even remember it was eileen ah oh, come on i should yes. remember that uh yeah i uh i just didn't it didn't do it for me it was uh i mean you could just when they when they showed it you know you could see that stretching like i had a little wire in it pulling it you know and i just i just thought it was dumb all right what's your what's your writing missy uh, well, for nostalgia alone, I'm going to have to give it at least a six. I'm not, there you go. Yeah. I've rated plenty of movies on just nostalgia, so I get yeah. it. Yeah. I, I'll go next. Uh, favorite kill? I chose Tina. Uh, being suffocated by a plaster. I thought that was a really terrifying way to die, and I thought it was a good kill scene. I think Chuck Connors was probably at his best in that moment, just telling her how she's actually going to die from her heart exploding that like Mike said, that's terrifying to me. Like if, if I'm ever putting like a chokehold, if I was a UFC fighter, I'm tapping out instantly. I, I hate not being able to breathe. Uh, <laughs> least favorite. I chose Eileen as well. Just being choked out by a scarf. I thought it was nothing special. I mean, how are you going to die by getting choked out by a scarf? Come on now. Uh, I just wrote a little quick summary. Uh, kind of said this at the beginning, but I just feel like this would be a great movie to remake in a more modern time with more darkness uh, cut out some of the classic horror cheese. Chuck Connors was fantastic and creepy. He just had a creepy charm, if that's a thing, and I liked him a lot. Uh, would have benefited being rated R with better kills. And I just finished it off saying, not the worst movie we've reviewed, but I'm not a huge fan. I gave it a 
the same as I gave the craft uh, three and a half. Sorry, sorry, Missy. I love you. Let me go, Mike, so you can finish it off on a better. Uh, uh, on I still have one. to read Dustin's. Oh, all right. So my uh, my favorite death. Um, I actually did uh, put Becky Becky's axe to the head. Um, and the worst fate, worst death to me was Eileen being choked. Yeah, the same same there. Um, so and I've told this story before, but you know when I was younger, we used to go to TNM Video. That was TNM Video, Mike, not TNA Video. TNM video up the up the street uh, for um, you know to rent horror movies and and you know back then it was like you, you picked at least I did or most people I know did if you pick horror movies you're basically looking at the cover art right so I've got to say the best thing about this movie is the poster the cover art for this damn thing is elite I will definitely give credit yeah it's to that. badass um, I mean that's I mean I'll say it right that's why. And, and we've had the director on the show before come out and straight up tell us that's one of the reasons why I did so good on on DVD and or, or I'm sorry, VHS was because Jason Goes to Hell's cover was so badass. Um, and so anyway, that's also just something that's yeah. something we we miss, you know, nowadays. But I will, like I said, back to this amazing cover art for this. I think it's elite. Um, but the movie itself, to me, it just kind of doesn't deliver besides being unique it's very unique even though and that's weird because we just talked about it stealing or not stealing but you know using different aspects of all these famous horror movies into putting them into one that in itself just makes it very unique um and, and you know in just a lot of areas um there's just not a lot in here to keep me personally really honed in um i actually gave it a 3.5 as well Whew, you guys are mean out here don't worry it's but it's about to get meaner. I would like to apologize on behalf of don't go out there. Let's see. Here we go. It's not me, by the way. Uh, Dustin says, Taurus Trap. I have to say, I did not like this movie. It was a bad clunker. You can attribute a lot of things about older movies to the time period, but this movie came out a year after Halloween, four years after Jaws, five years after Texas Chainsaw Massacre, not to mention multiple classic Hitchcock movies that are all better movies. He didn't like Psycho, though. Anyway, um... <laughs> You could point to the budget, but this movie had a bigger budget than Halloween 78 by $25,000. The opening scene went on way too long. The bad score when he's walking his tire down the road is only outdone by the stupid laugh from the mannequins. The twist was fairly easy to predict. There was never an explanation why these things have magical powers. The runtime was encouraging when I saw it, but after pressing play, it felt about 25 minutes too long due to the lack of story development. I just didn't care for it. The only argument I can understand in its favor is either nostalgia or it's so bad it's good. And the argument of I would like to, and the art and to the argument I would like to see this one remade, watch 2005's House of Wax, basically a remake of this and maybe slightly better. Not true. Not true. That would I would that is not the case. Don't you anyway. Ugh. Um oh and shout out to Midge from that 70s show. She was the lone bright spot in this movie. What a smoke show. RIP Tanya Roberts. Favorite kill, Woody. At this point I wasn't sure if the movie had hope or not. So I was at the very least intrigued by the telekinetically controlled flying pipe. Least favorite kill. Jerry, what the fuck? This guy can just turn people into mannequins on a whim? What kind of boundaries or limits does his powers have? Jerry's walking one minute and the next his arm popped off and then his head. Confusing as fuck. Rating. Dustin gave it a... Oh, I'm so sorry, Missy. Dustin gave it a 1.25. But. Ouch. Fear not. <clears throat> My turn. I'll end it on a I'll end it on a good note. Here we go. So my favorite kill 
was Tina, which I talked about uh, when we, you know, spoke about that scene. I, I think it's brutal in a nonviolent way. And I, I really enjoyed it. And it was, again, a scary way to die. And it was actually a pretty terrifying scene to me. That I think if you ever get a remake, don't don't remove that that scene. Just update it a little bit and bam, there you go. Um, you got a pretty terrifying kill. Uh, I, my least favorite kill is the same as everyone else. It's Eileen. Uh, simple choke. It wasn't done very well. Her hands are in the way. Like, eh, it just wasn't very good. Um, I've kind of said what, what I need to say. I think it's a fun time. It's not a classic. It's not a great film. It's not Hitchcock or Spielberg or anything like that. But it's a fun film to me. For whatever reason, it's got this cheesy, uh, you know, vibe that I just enjoy. This hokey, you know, just energy to it. I can't really quite put my finger on why I like it. For one, it made me laugh unintentionally, I believe. And when a movie does that, it tends into the so bad it's good direction. And I like a lot of those films if they're done unintentionally. Looking at you, thanks, Killing, which was trying to be bad on purpose. That's not what we do. Um, anyway, I, you know, I've kind of touched on it. It has, I, of course, I'm not from this era, but it does have a little, you know, throwback nostalgia feel to it from that time period. You know, I like some movies from that time period. You know, everyone knows my favorite horror movie of all time is Halloween 1978. It's got that late 70s, early 80s vibe going on for it. So there's a lot going in its favor. Uh, there's some downtime. You know, the runtime is short, but in the middle of the film, it feels a little long. Uh, the acting outside of Chuck Connors, who's great, is not very good. Uh, I don't think any of the other characters, I, hard, I had a hard time remembering their names, which I know I do anyway, but specifically this film, uh, it was hard. So all that being said, I gave this movie a 5.5. Thank you. All right. Uh, with our five rankings, uh, our cumulative score is oh no, a three point nine point five. You guys are terrible. You guys are mean. We'll just round it up to four. Uh, but on, I, but on, <laughs> very but, generous. But this is you. what was <laughs> this is what was interesting to me though on IMDb. It's got a six point two out of ten, but less than ten thousand ratings. There's only nine thousand nine hundred forty six reviews. So I think this movie's just kind of slept on. Oh yeah, there's not. I bet. I like I said, I'd never even heard of this movie until you picked it. Yeah, I, I hadn't either. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. I'd never heard of it until that. And I'm glad. Honestly, I'm glad I'm watching because I can see myself rewatching it. I really could, just for shits and giggles because it's fun, especially the last like 15 minutes. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to hate on the movie just to be mean. It's just. It just had some things that if you just tweaked a little bit, I would like it a lot more. Uh, just as an enjoyability thing, just all the excessive laughing at the beginning and the the music, just tweak that a little bit, and I, I'm into it a little more, a, a lot more, honestly. Uh, Missy, you got any final thoughts? We just want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, you're yes, thank you, Missy. Thank you're, you. I love I love that you respond to so many of our posts, and you're very interactive. Uh, I love that. We love interacting with our fans. We love getting closer to all of you, you know, getting to know each other better because we're all horror family at the end of the day. And right. even if you like my movie or I don't like your movie, et cetera, back and forth, at least we get to have a conversation and and we are all alike because we have the same interest. Most definitely. It's been a lot of fun. And I always look forward to seeing what you guys pick. Don't always agree, but <laughs> it's Okay. 
That's okay. We don't always agree. I, <laughs> but they're, I mean, we they're do fun. have to sit through Nico's movies, so you know. <laughs> they're fun to listen to. You guys have great rapport, so it's always uh, break up uh, my work day and and listen to you guys. So it's it's a lot of fun. So thank you. Well, we appreciate. Hey, well, get, we paid, appreciate get that paid and Missy. listen to us. Get- yeah, I hope hey, my boss ain't listening to this thing. Sorry, I, I wait until after work. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, before we get out of here, I'm just going to shout out our blood donors. Like I've said every episode, truly, truly thank all of you. Uh, you take a big financial burden off of us. And it truly is an honor that you care so much about our show that you're willing to help us out. And it's it's great getting to know all of you. It's it's really a blessing. And uh, it makes a show, I would do the show regardless, but it does feel good knowing that we got so many fans messaging me days before we even do it. When's the new show dropping? So I <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, our blood donors are camp level reoccurring are Clayton J, Nina, Michelle Mirza, Andrew Ferguson, Carrie Adams, the Horror Movie Crew Podcast, Alex Seligson, and Eric Doolittle. Our camp counselor reoccurrings are Hunter Nelson, Karen, Shan Petrusevich, Dennis Kennedy, Edwin Hernandez Gunn, and Joe Swinford. Our legendary blood donors are the wonderful Missy Hutchison Wall. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. And Sean and Sarah Irwin. And our final girl donor is Danny Synapse. Just want to thank all of you uh, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for supporting yes, us and you being all. fans of the show. Even if, you know, it, even if there was no money involved, I truly appreciate everyone who's a big fan of our show. It means a lot. Any final thoughts tonight? No, thanks again for coming on, Missy. A lot thank of fun. So thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Sorry everyone rated your movie so low but me. I'll keep listening to you. It's cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> if even just for Mike, just yes, please listen to us. Most people listen for Mike anyway. That's not true. He's got the most luscious voice. Luscious uh, voice. Luscious Mike. Let's get out of here. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll wrap this up. Just thank you one more time, Missy. Truly appreciate you coming on, being a fan. Uh, thank you to all of our other fans and listeners. Really appreciate it, and y'all have a good one. Just want to remind everybody.